Welcome to the Relate Podcast, where you become equipped for the dynamic, fulfilling relationships you desire with others, yourself, and God. I'm Casey Sunstead, and I'll be your host as we continue the series, Origins, Your Past is Present. Thanks for joining us for the Relate Podcast, where we take a look at our origins and how our past is present. I'm Casey Sunstead, along with Tyler and September. We're glad you joined us for this conversation. Last episode, we explored the positive parts of our stories. Those experiences, memories, or words that cultivated some of our greatest strengths and how those beautiful parts of us help our relationships. Today's topic is fascinating. We're talking about the challenging parts of our stories, how each of us, even from the best of families, picked up a few painful or wounding inputs along the way. So today we're going to talk about how we can look inward, outward, and upward to spot those negative inputs that can show up in our relationships. Now we're talking. There we go. Your favorite topic, the negative stuff, Tyler. I mean, you know, uh, I need to reframe this. I'm not just obsessed with negativity. I just like, for me in the past, it's been more helpful to look at the negative stuff to try to correct. But, you know. No, I think that's a great point. I think it is more helpful. It's like, if it's going well, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of a thing. So today we get to talk about some of the stuff that might be a little broken. Last episode, we got to share about some fun family traditions that we've kept alive in with our families now. And so today I'd like to hear from you guys about maybe the opposite of that. What's one quirk that you picked up from your family of origin that still exists with you today? Quirk seems like a very intentional word. <laughs> that was a carefully chosen like, quirk. Uh, yeah. You're saying like the things that you wish you didn't pick up, but you definitely did. A hundred percent. You're busted. Oh man. I got to think about this. I'm not good at coming up with this stuff on the spot. I can think of one. Go September, go. We always had pets and stuff growing up. And my mom would talk, especially to her bird. She had a little bird that she named (laughs) Chipete. (laughs) Wow. Because that's, of course, the sound it makes. Of course. And, of course, her grandmother also had a bird that she named Chipete. Chipete. So, anyway, my, my mother would talk to these animals. And it turns out my family has pointed out that perhaps I have that same habit. We've always had pets. And then a couple years ago, um, our our two remaining dogs, you know, passed away. So I went for like two years with no mammals in the house. And I had an aquarium with fish tank. And finally, my husband about about a year ago, he goes, honey, you're talking to the fish. I'm buying you a dog. <laughs> so I think that might be a quirk that I do tend to talk to the animals. Yes. But you got what you wanted. I got I got I got two dogs. dogs. I got two cute puppies. Yeah. Oh, Thank wow. you, honey. What about That's you, what Casey? What's your negative thing? Every single person in my family has this negative trait. It is while we drive, we talk to the other drivers. And it's not always super kind. And I narrate the whole drive. Like, give me an example. Like, um, on the way here, I told Siri, oh, you could have told me I need to be in the other lane earlier because I'm going to... Need so this to turn is left a free and then right. flowing it is like with other drivers with your radio electronics talking to them talking yeah. to Siri talking about not other drivers not signaling do you encourage your car to get going ever I like don't, you know I don't talk to my car okay uh-huh. that's maybe something September would do now when you're talking to the other drivers do you perhaps talk with your hands just mm, curious I have been caught by them for <laughs> using and and it's all appropriate, but maybe not always uh-huh. loving from, you know, like yeah. the best part of my heart. I get frustrated <laughs> and I tell them, 
what they did wrong. That's one of my favorite things to do with bad drivers. If they're angry at you, you just give them the hearts, two-handed heart, and it makes them more mad. (laughs) I I found it doesn't de-escalate the situation. But this is like a for real, straight down my genogram family thing. Like my mom does it, my aunts do it, my cousins do it, and it's all because of my grandfather. There you go. You follow the thread three generations. Do you Uh think your, your kids will do it? Yes, because how much time have my kids been exposed to this terrible habit? They don't have a choice, but they do call me out on it. One year I told my daughter my New Year's resolution, which I don't normally do, but I wanted to correct this behavior. And I was like, call me out every time I talk to the other drivers. And it it didn't go well, friends. So this is why I want to correct this behavior. But maybe we can learn a little bit about that today. For me, I, um, I don't know how much of this is a, a biological this is how we're born. And this just came to me. And I know that if I didn't say this, my wife would be like, oh, I know exactly what this is. <laughs> Let me tell you, Tyler. me and my brothers do this. Uh, we can blow our nose incredibly loud, like wake people up in oh, the house. Amazing. <laughs> and we don't know where this came from. Like we don't, I mean, I remember my dad doing it, his dad doing it. I don't know who like taught me it. I don't think that it was like taught. <laughs> Come over there here. There might Let me be show something you like in our, Genetic. <laughs> the way that our bones are all aligned or something that we can just, it's loud. You can raise it. It's the real dead. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Springtime is not good. It's something. It's like a, yeah, it's like an orchestra for sure. <laughs> so that that's is, probably mine. So September, let's just jump in and help us understand what's the purpose of identifying those negative parts of our story. Why are we looking back to identify some of the more painful stuff? So, you know, there's a bunch of reasons why it's important to identify those negative parts of our story. But the first thing that actually that comes to my mind is a story. And it's actually a story my husband told me. He was a, he's a former emergency room physician. This kid comes into the ER and, with his mom and he's cut his arm pretty significantly on a, on a pane of glass. And his mom's got the arm all wrapped up in a big old towel because it's, you know, a mess. And mm. so, so my husband, you know, has to kind of warm up to this kid. And eventually, you know, he chats with the kid and tries to help the kid calm down. Eventually, he has to go for that towel because he has to look at the injury to see what he's dealing with. And eventually, he knows he's going to end up putting some stitches in it. So he reaches for the towel. And of course, what would your kid do if, if he's sitting on the doctor in the doctor's office and the doctor reaches? Probably my kid probably yeah. spit at him. <laughs> I'm feeling so stressed out. Are you? Picturing myself the mom of this child. I know, I know. It's a stressful situation. Well, if it helps, I think it was like her third or fourth kid, all boys. So mm-hmm. she was she was doing fine. <laughs> so she She's was like, just yeah, like, yeah, 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 do the normal the, thing. Right. Good to see you again, exactly. Doc. Yeah. <laughs> Casey, <laughs> stop emoting for this mom. She's fine. <laughs> she has a frequent flyer ticket to the, to the ER. Got it. So the kid jerks his arm back. He doesn't want to show the wound. So eventually my husband realizes he's going to have to get that towel off, which he eventually does. And sure enough, the kid's, you know, the kid needs stitches. And I just think that's a great word picture for what we do emotionally mm. when it comes time to look at those negative things. It can be a little scary and we feel overexposed and we want to protect those wounds. We don't want someone to pull the towel off. We want to keep them protected and maybe hidden even, depending on how significant some of the wounds are. And some of us have you know, really significant wounds and others of us, our wounds are not super significant. But the reality is we cannot heal that which is not exposed. So long as we are keeping whatever wounds, whether they're little or big, wrapped up, they're not exposed for healing. So the negative inputs we experience, whether they're through people in our earlier years or you know, unkind words spoken on the playground or even through circumstances that we didn't have control over as a kid, those are all parts of our story. And those inputs, when we internalize them, 
they lead to beliefs about ourselves. You know, positive inputs can lead to positive beliefs. Negative inputs obviously can lead to negative beliefs about ourselves, about the world, about our place in the world. And those faulty or broken beliefs show up in how we treat others, right? It's Mm -hmm. part of our makeup, and of course it's going to affect our relationships. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, last episode I quoted Daniel Taylor. I'm going to quote him again here. He says, if your present life story is broken or diseased, it can be made well, or if necessary, it can be replaced by a story that has a plot worth living. So I I love the hope of that. Mm -hmm. So some of us don't have significant wounds that we need to wrestle to the ground. Some of us have significant wounds. Regardless, in both of those cases, they're worth exposing those things, identifying those negative inputs so that we can live a plot worth living, right? So we can be the best version of ourselves. That's amazing. I'm so resistant to look back. I shared before that I don't want to look back to blame and that it's helpful for me to think of it as looking back to learn. But yeah, absolutely, to discover those things so that we can heal, that's also really compelling to me. Yeah. And again, you know, what happened to you as a kid was not your fault, but healing is your responsibility. No one can pull the towel off of our negative inputs but us, right? Healing is our responsibility. No one else can do it for us. I might spit at you when you try, though. Okay, well, you know, you come by it naturally. <laughs> yeah. Or your son does. My son, son, well, my son has to get it from someone. Yeah. I assume it's me. Family so of I origin I've seen my issue. wife do that, so. We all know it's not your yeah. wife. Yeah. So, you know, when... <laughs> Thanks, Casey. <laughs> so, you know, when we, when we do pull back that towel and we can identify some of those negative inputs, we can then assess whether the beliefs that we took from those inputs were true. I mean, sometimes there might be some negative part of your story and it didn't lodge in you and it didn't create a negative mm-hmm. belief about yourself or the world or whatever. Other times it did. And so we can, by exposing what those negative inputs are, then we can examine them and go, all right, is it time to shed those old belief systems or is it, t- and you know, embrace new truths about ourselves and where we fit in the world? You know, and then we can bring that beauty, a more, a more accurate and complete version of our stories into our relationships. Thanks. That's really helpful. I think it is a really beautiful invitation for us, a good reason for us to look back at some of those harder areas. September, would you say we can use some of the same tools that we did looking back at our positive inputs? Yeah. I mean, I think that the stuff we talked about last episode, you know, how do you identify the negative ones? It's kind of the same way you identify the positive ones. You Mm -hmm. can look inward. You know, what beliefs do I hold about myself that are actually in contrast to who God made me to be, who I am in the eyes of an all-loving, all-accepting God? You know, what are those inward things? We can look outward. When I think about looking outward, Mm -hmm. first of all, when negative inputs from others in our formative years left us with faulty beliefs about ourselves, you know, what were those faulty beliefs? You know, did you have kids that, you know, that teased you because you weren't athletic and now you're self-conscious with physical stuff or, you know, what are those things? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) With the sport games. (laughs) It just reminds me of this story. I have red hair and this one kid called me Howdy Doody. And I was like, that doesn't even hurt at all because I look nothing like Howdy Doody. And yeah. it just made me, it's it's still a story we laugh that's about. That's an example of a negative input that didn't stick. No, I was right. like, dude, <laughs> try harder, yeah, buddy. That's not even funny. <laughs> so outwardly, you know, what negative inputs did we receive from others? But also um, what feedback have we received from others regarding mm-hmm. like unhelpful ways that we relate? You know, is there a pattern there? You know, because it's, it's very likely that our broken belief systems, whatever they mm-hmm. may be, 
have led to harmful consequences in our relationships, Mm -hmm. right? So like it makes sense for us to look outward in that way for feedback and then just also just memories of painful things. And then again, to look upward. And and here again, I think the, the genogram that we talked about last episode Great tool for this. So if you're listening and you did take a, a crack at doing your genogram and you you know you sketched out maybe three or four generations of your family that went before you, you know again this time on the on the negative input side, write down some characteristics that were maybe not super good for relationships about some of the people in your story. You know again we look back to learn, not to blame. But until we can identify some of those things, we're not going to notice patterns that we came by supernaturally. And this process can really help you give yourself a lot of grace because you're realizing I didn't I didn't end up with this quirk <laughs> out in a vacuum, right? I came by it naturally. Like this is just part of the part of the soup I grew up in. And it's part of the soup my mom and my dad and my grandparents and my great grandparents. It, it came to me naturally. And it's a little easier to be to own our own shortcomings when we realize we probably didn't make them up ourselves. You know, it, it, it came to us naturally. It happens to all of us, but the key is to identify those things and then try to take some action against them. So again, you know, if you're doing your genogram and you want to make some little notes by the different players in your family of origin story, you can look at their characteristics. You know, was there a lack of nurture? Was there some fundamentalism, some black and white thinking where you think my way or the highway? Maybe there's violence in your story. You know, you had a a family member or two or three up in further generations that that had anger or violent issues. Any kind of legalism is going to cause harm to a child and Mm. how they're formed, Um, whether that's you know, racism or uh, spiritual legalism, anything like that is just going to malform a kid. It, it can't help but do so. So look for those characteristics that you see in the generations that went before you. You can look at events. You can look at, you know, was there divorce in the family? Was there a specific, you know, humiliating event that really marked a member of your family? Were there sexual assault or abuse? Was there maybe a death in the family that really changed the trajectory of your family story? You know, what was there illness or was there mental, you know, mental illness or was there an injury, um, a handicap, a physical handicap? Um, was there a natural disaster that that affected your family? You know, your house burned down or, you know, something like that. So what are those events? And then what were some of the roles that were played by members of your family? Was there a black sheep? Can you look back and notice every generation had a black sheep? You know, that tells you something about the way that your family thought. Hmm. Was there someone who always played the scapegoat or the clown or the, the caretaker or, you know, the villain? There's always a bad guy in our family. You know, what What does that tell you about how you might have been formed as a young child? And then, of course, there's issues. You know, if there's, again, abuse of any kind, physical, verbal, emotional, spiritual abuse. You know, was there a pattern of uh, gender suppression where, you know, all the women were there to take care of the men? Um, or was there, you know, disowning or abandonment if somebody didn't toe the line? Do you have a pattern of that in your family? And then how did they handle certain values? You know, did they have an unhealthy relationship with money or with religion or with a career? You know, only blue-collar jobs were valuable and white-collar people are not, you know, or vice versa. Was there value issues around body image? You know, how we dealt with food or how we dealt with physical appearance? Were there uh, value issues around gender and sexuality? That can be some of the most harming things to people Mm. because it's so tender and close to us, how we view our own sexuality and our own gender. Um, so look for threads again, as you you know write yourself some little notes and then look for threads. And then what can you tell by what you learn? I think of a, a genogram story. Um, from a group I was in a number of years ago, and a woman shared, um, and she went back like four generations, and she shared about a great grandfather who had a bunch of kids, and he had sexually abused his girls. 
from that one person four generations earlier. If when when this woman sketched out her story, you saw how much divorce in uh, amongst the daughters for his kids, for the for their daughters. And yeah. I mean, it went down three generations yeah. of just prolific divorces and multiple marriages and very negative views of men. Mm. And I mean, I'm not saying it's all caused by that one man, but you couldn't help but notice the pattern. And those are helpful patterns to notice. You know, what what did come our way? There, of course, there's many beautiful things that came our way. And there's some things that are worth taking note of to see how they might have changed the way that we grew up and the, what we believe about the world and about ourselves. It's really helpful for us to think through and kind of collect these messages and these impacts that we had when we were little that we're still carrying with us today. And once we identify them, September, can you give us some tips on what do we do to heal from these negative inputs? I was going to ask the same thing because mm. like, I, f- I feel like for us talking here, this is a pretty safe place, but there's probably some people out there that, you know, we breezed past a few of these items and those they're still hung up on that first thing that you said or the, yeah. the third thing that you said, they're probably pretty impacted by those words and triggered by those words. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You're right. This is, this is harder stuff. This, is, uh, this will be the, probably the, the heaviest of the episodes that we deal with mm-hmm. in this series. But it's so valuable because I think this is where the real liberation can come, when we're able to unearth things and give ourselves grace for you know, the families that we came from and for the people in our lives and for how we have you know, lived out the unhelpful beliefs that we took on. I think when it comes to, you know, how do we, how do we shed those beliefs that are untrue or they're outdated or they're no longer helpful to us? First and foremost, let's give ourselves some grace, right? Remember, be kind to yourself, pay attention and honor your past. You know, old patterns or behaviors or roles that you played in your family, they might've served you super well in those seasons. But if you're finding they're not helpful today, don't beat yourself up. Mm. Don't beat yourself up. Just look look at it as information and it's helpful information because on the other side of that comes better relationships when you make a change. That word honor is so impactful for me personally to look back and honor myself in that yes. story yeah. even. Absolutely. Yeah. Just yeah, so just remember, be kind to yourself. Second, remove. Remove those untruths from your story. And this is something that doesn't happen overnight, obviously. You know, mentally though, we do have a choice. We can say no to them when we spot them creeping into how we think. We can spot them and we can say, uh-uh. You have no place in my today. You had a place in my yesterday. No shame in that. Um, It might have been helpful yesterday. It's Mm -hmm. not helpful today. We're going a different direction. So remove, you know, have an attention to that. You know, anybody who has had uh, lived in a house that has a lawn has had dandelions in their lawn and they've (laughs) plucked dandelions. And we all know that if you don't pull that dandelion out by the root, it will come back. You know, we have had good seeds and harmful seeds planted in our stories. All of us have. And those seeds grow roots and those roots grow plants and they eventually produce fruit. And if you think of that in terms of our relationships, um, the fruit is how we live out our relationships, either from a, a, a weed or from truth, right? So the third thing I would say is to replace. It's not enough to pull those untruths out by the roots. I think I mentioned in an earlier episode, I'm a gardener. You can pull all the weeds out you want, but if you don't replace the weeds with some healthy plants that you want to see thrive, 
Weeds love a vacuum and they will quickly fill in that empty soil. So replace those untruths with things that are actually true. So we can't just cut out what is untrue and leave that gaping hole there. We have to fill that hole with what's true and what's beautiful about us. So cultivate the good plants in us. So we wanna remember to be kind, we wanna remove the unhealthy things and we want to replace those unhealthy things with true things about ourselves. September, that is so powerful. Hmm. Thinking about not only removing, like telling yourself, just stop thinking that way, but to replace it. Can you give us some examples of removing and replacing those messages? Well, I I guess one way that we could start to do that kind of work would be to maybe spend some time journaling just to identify what are two or three of the main weeds, if you would, Mm -hmm. to use this analogy. Um, What are the main untruths that still roll around in your head? You know, what are those things that you tell you, you find yourself believing about yourself that are their ancient history, right? Yeah. And then counter those untruths with what with what is true, you know, about yourself or about the world or about where you fit in the world. Counter those false beliefs with truths. So fill the hole that that weed left with a plant of truth, if you would. To, <laughs> not trying to overplay this metaphor, but I, I no, think but there's I some will. truth in it. Yeah, <laughs> but I will. Absolutely. I you will. know, so like... In a garden, for example, you plant a tomato and you plant some potatoes. Those are two plants. If you plant zucchini, same thing, or any kind of squash, they thrive. They're huge, big, hungry plants, and they grow rapidly. Generally, if there's a problem with those plants, it's not weeds. Weeds are not crowding out those plants because they are thriving. And that same imagery works for us. When we're cultivating the best parts of ourselves, it's one of the best strategies for making sure that those weeds don't take root again in our lives and we don't go back to old ways of thinking that aren't helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you can overplay this metaphor because let's be real. <laughs> like we're a part of nature, right? Yeah. There are so many things that, I mean, just organic things. We all tend to relate in some way. And so yeah. I, I find that really, really helpful, well, actually. Good. Th- this kind of inner work doesn't happen overnight. It does take some intentionality and a little helpful tool that um, I think people have used in the past or that I've found helpful anyway, I'll just say, speak for myself, is to create a little saying to counter the untruth, you know, sort of like a little mantra that you might repeat to yourself, you know, when you find yourself slipping back into old belief systems that you do not want to embrace. So let's say somebody um, has had, they've heard over and over, maybe in their childhood or whatever, you know, that you're just, you're too emotional. You're just too much. You're overwhelming. You're just too much. Today, the kids say you're extra. You're extra. Yeah. There we go. Thank you for bringing us into the next generation. <laughs> I have not. My kids are all graduated. You're so I don't know. extra. <laughs> okay, so the kid here is I'm just extra, and maybe you would counter that weed, you know, that lie, with I'm not extra. I'm a feeling person who lives in a messy world, right? Mm. September, did you talk to my therapist? Is that how you? <laughs> is that one of your family of origin wounds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no comment. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I'm definitely the most emo. I mean, middle child syndrome, right? Mm. Hey, up, hey. Casey. High five, hey, Casey. Casey. Yeah. yeah. Here yeah. we go. So, I'm there. I'm with you. Yeah. My uh, One of my favorite authors, Glennon Doyle, uses that phrase, I'm a feeling person in a messy world. And mm. that's a great, helpful thing when, you know, when you're feeling like you are a little extra. So another, you know, another one, another example might be, um, you know, the, the lie that I might tell myself, other people's needs matter more than my own. And I could counter that by saying, you know what? I'm a person too, and my needs matter. I'm a person too, and my needs matter. You know, or if you think, um, you know, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be humiliated and rejected, and that's going to be the end of the world. You know, that's, the, that's where you live. That's the thing that lodged in your brain. You could counter that with, I can survive embarrassment, and I'm still valuable, even when I'm not perfect. 
or maybe the the weed that you're trying to eradicate is the lie of it's my job to keep the peace, you know, whether it's in your family or at work or whatever. And you could counter that with something like, I let others work out their own problems. Maybe you work that out in your head by telling yourself, I can let others work out their own problems. Mm. I can let others work out their own problems. So you, you, you know, write yourself a little tagline, a little phrase that you can repeat to yourself. And that's one way to cultivate the truth and eradicate the weed. The plants of truth that we choose to cultivate in our lives bear significant fruit in our relationships. We treat others better. We treat ourselves better. We respect others more because we've grown to respect ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So when we replace those false, outdated beliefs with truth, then and we let those truths thrive, we try to cultivate those truths in our lives, we become our best selves, and we bring our best selves into our relationships. Okay, you guys, last week we talked about how sometimes a negative can become a positive. Casey, you just gave the howdy doody example where this kid on the playground called you howdy doody and it it didn't really stick, right? Yeah, so yeah. that but there's other times and we talked about this last episode where a negative can actually become a positive. Like we we had something negative happen and we're darn well not gonna do that in our adult life. So we go to the other extreme and we say, I'm gonna be the opposite of that. I'm not gonna be a parent that has a temper like my generational family did. I'm gonna be a parent who's patient, for example. So we can have that negative become a positive, but in it's for today. I think the converse can also be true. Sometimes a positive can be overcome. In this episode, I think that the converse can be true. Sometimes a positive can be overdone in our lives and it can actually then become a negative. So so let's say, you know, helping someone is in general, that's a generally a positive trait, but sometimes if we overdo that and we become codependent. So I'm actually talking to myself here because helping is kind of one of my, it's probably one of my strengths. And when I overdo it, it's one of the things that drives my kids a little bonkers, rightfully so, because I it, I just overhelp and it's not helpful. And it makes them probably feel like I must think they're an idiot that they can't figure it out for themselves. So sometimes that strength or that beauty, if we overdo it, it can actually become something that does not help our relationships. When I overdo it, it becomes a negative. So how, where are even sometimes the positive things? We have to watch and make sure we're not overdoing them and leaning into them too much to our detriment. September, I feel like you would be the best at answering that question in job interviews where it's like, what's your what's your worst trait? And you're like, well, I'm just too darn helpful. I just... I care too much and I want to help just too much. No. That's never been my answer to that question. <laughs> But yeah, there's no such thing as helping too much, right? At some point, it's not helpful. So as you're looking back at the generations who went before you, and you're trying to identify some of those negative things, the patterns or the character traits or whatever that, that have affected how you were formed and how you live out your relationships today, just remember, you know, be kind to yourself in that process. Be graceful to yourself. Honor yourself as you're doing this kind of exploring. Care for yourself. You know, um, and, and I guess, secondly, be courageous. Be a little bit courageous, mm -hmm. right? This isn't super easy work. Mm -mm. It doesn't need to be overwhelming. You know, gather a, a few safe friends around you and then pull back that towel and explore those tender wounds for healing. Thanks so much for inviting us into this process of looking back so that we can heal. You know, um, psychologist and author Dan Allender says this, I can't change my tragedies, nor can I really fully eliminate the characters in my story, <laughs> as much as maybe some of us wish that we could. But, you know, I can't fully eliminate the characters in my story, but I can write a new plot. Tomorrow does not have to look like today. It doesn't have to look like yesterday. We can write new plots for ourselves. Thanks, September.
So guys, that's mm. a lot of, I mean, for me, it's so helpful to think about the analogy of the weed and replacing, not just removing, but replacing. It's so good. And that towel story. Whoa. I'd love to just hear from you guys. Tyler, is it scary for you to think about pulling back the towel on some of your untrue beliefs or some of the roles that you were in as a kid? How do you feel about that towel analogy? Well, I think here's the thing about the towel analogy. A lot of us, um, our towel could be really big or our towel could be really small. And thankfully, I don't have a bunch of, I, you know, I don't have a bunch of real bad trauma in my past. I'm, I'm lucky in that way. But no matter what happens, there's some wounds that need to be uncovered. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes the people who have bigger wounds, it's more apparent that, oh, you've got some stuff that needs to be uncovered. But one of the mo most painful things you can get is a paper cut. Mm. And it's just a nagging, weird, uncomfortable pain that is just like over there causing you to be distracted in a certain way. And so even, you know, those big things are important and we don't want to like some people have some serious wounds, but the little stuff matters too. And that's, that's kind of my thought in this is like, mm -hmm. even that little stuff, man, you got to process that because that could be affecting the way you relate with people. And that's probably the camp that I'm in. So it's not so much a towel that I need to pull off. It's more of like, you know, that napkin that you grabbed because you cut yourself with a with an envelope or something that yeah. I need I just need to take that off and, and deal with it. And it doesn't it's definitely not comfortable. But it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. yeah. And the paper cut is such a good analogy because I feel like you might not even know that it happened when it happened, mm -hmm. when you got cut by the paper, but then you're, you're like, like, when did this happen? Dang, that hurts. Yeah. And how did it get right between my fingers? That's the worst one. <laughs> and it like pops in and kind of interrupts mm -hmm. a lot. Like, yeah. we've got some powerful analogies yeah, going here today. We do. When September was talking about characteristics, events, roles, issues, and values are some buckets we can look at to um, see some things that were helpful to us as kids that might not still be serving us in our adult life. Mm. I really identified with that. And I thought specifically about the roles mm. um, in your family, whether you're put in a role or whether you, you put on a role for yourself, whether it's the, a hat you put on. I love the idea of that served you then. And go ahead and honor yourself and your story back then that there's a reason why you put on that role, but is that role still serving you today? That really spoke to me in my story. Mm. In what way? I just think about I, I too, September, I'm a helper. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I do feel responsible for whatever group I'm in being everybody being okay, everybody being healthy, everyone being happy. And when you said um, earlier like, it's okay to let them solve their own problems. I think that's a good mantra for me. Wow, that's awesome. So I think we all sort of experience varying degrees of pain, mm -hmm. right? And because we, we have different degrees of wounds. And because of that, uh, we don't want to gloss over this idea that it is painful. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think back to the the ER story that we started this episode with and, you know, you know, pulling back that towel was just step 1. Step 2 was scrubbing out the wound and getting shots so that there could be stitches and all that stuff. That's painful. And um I guess just let's just give voice to the fact that sometimes as we begin to explore some of those tender places in our stories, it gets more painful before the healing really kicks in. Mm. And I would to, to to that reality, I would just encourage every one of us, myself included, um, that it's worth 
the pain. No pain, no gain, right? I mean, that old adage, but it's really true. I mean, the healing happens because we got to the root of things. We got, we got it clean so that it could be, so that it could heal from the inside out. It's worth it. Well, the other thing is like, you know, everybody else around you is going through something like that too. So you're not, you're not so unique that nobody understands. Absolutely. I'm Casey Sunstead, along with Tyler in September, and we're so glad you joined us for this conversation today. We have some questions that might help you reflect on all that was shared in today's episode. We invite you to, right now, consider these questions for yourself. And then, because we believe that everything's better in relationship, we hope you find some people that you can share some of your findings, some of your reflection with, and discuss the questions together. Question one, how do you respond to the invitation to be kind to yourself in your story? Is that difficult or unnatural for you? Or is it easy? Why? Two, what roles or patterns come to mind that you picked up as a child that you need to now shed in adulthood because they are no longer serving you? Three, how do your negative beliefs about yourself show up in your relationships today? And four, what message or mantra can you replace them with that will rewrite a better plot for you? Friends, we're so glad you joined us for this conversation today. This topic takes courage. It could be one that's a tender topic for you. And we encourage you to find your safe people and or a licensed therapist who can help give you some good care. If you're interested in learning more, check out the show notes where you'll find discussion questions so you can continue the conversation with important people in your life. If you're finding this podcast helpful, spread the word, share it with your friends. We'd love for you to rate and review us on iTunes. Let's expand the community of people who are committed to doing life better by building better relationships. And on the next episode, we're going to take a look at our own limitations of seeing our own stories accurately and completely all by ourselves. We're going to explore ways to get insights from those in our relational circles. 